0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right. Welcome into the program. Good to be one to know a week into the regular season. That's where the Broncos are at. They look pretty good against those Giants. Uh, But thanks for listening. Always appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Make sure you're finding us. If you found this on the Broncos Wire, make sure you find us on Apple Podcasts, on your phone, wherever you get your pods. Subscribe. Write us a review. Tell us how much you love John Heath and his takes. Right? We're always here for that. And even if it's a bad review, if you want to say, oh, Larry's a moron, that's fine. We'll take any review and any subscription we could get from Bronco's country, John, because we appreciate the listeners that much.
1: Yeah, write whatever you want in the review. Just please give us five stars. That would be appreciated. <laughs> yeah, but you can write anything mean you want.
0: Yeah, just like you do with the Uber driver, right? Give him five stars. <laughs> uh, so anyway, John, uh, all kidding aside, uh, just a, an amazing start to the Teddy Bridgewater era with the Broncos, right? I think that's where we got to start. That's the leadoff take. It's not controversial. It's not me sitting here bitching about anything and, and moaning, right, that, like I usually do on the podcast. It's all positive and rainbows and all that thing. Teddy Bridgewater was excellent. He was efficient, no turnovers. Uh, he just gave you everything that you needed in this game, and the Broncos, oh, what do you know? When you get good play from your quarterback and your offense is, is competent, you know what you're going to get from your defense, and you go out and you blow out the Giants on the road. I knew the Broncos were going to win. We talked about it. I don't think it was hard to predict that the Broncos are going to win the game, but they, they crushed them, right? I mean, that game, 27-13, it wasn't even that close. Daniel Jones scoring in garbage time. I mean, give me a break. The Broncos blew the doors off that team, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is the story. I mean, he won the quarterback job. We were wondering at first, why? Why, why did he win? It's playing out before our eyes, right? He is the guy, and the Broncos looked good.
1: The team looked good and Bridgewater looked good. I really, really liked what I saw from him because not only was he what we expected him to be, like going into the season, I was like, okay, they can win with him being a game manager, kind of doing a dink and dunk offense. I thought that would be good enough. But not only did he do that, like he, he slung it a couple of times. Like he had a couple bombs. One of them, he had like a 50-yard pass to KJ Hamler that Hamler dropped. It could have been a touchdown. And I know – Bridgewater he slightly under it but I think that's a timing like that's not an arm strength thing I think he's just got to get it out like a half second uh sooner just the fact though that he can throw it that far to me was really encouraging because when Bridgewater won the competition over Locke the one thing that I was a little worried about I was like man it's it's somewhat of a bummer that they're not going to get these bombs that Locke can do to KJ Hamler because Hamler's so explosive doing that and just see Bridgewater not only can he do the dink and dunk and manage the game and not turn the ball over and get positive yards, like he can also open it up. He can give you those deep shots. So to see him do that, that was uh, an, an awesome sign to me. And, and like like we've said, he also protected the ball well. And not only did he protect the ball, not only did he take shots. Like he, there was a couple times. Like I don't want to like blow it out of proportion, but like there were like two times he made like a Patrick Mahomes. Kind of a play, like the one time on the on the fourth and one, where the pass rusher it was like in his face right away, and he like pushed him away, and he backed up, and he gave it to Albert O, and Albert O made a play out of it. Like that was pretty impressive. Albert O wasn't even supposed to be running around on that play. The play was supposed to be to Cortland Sutton, and it was just a busted play. And Bridgewater kept alive Albert O, improvised, and it led to a touchdown. That improvisation I thought was really nice. And then later in the game, another time he was facing pressure, he bought time, he rolled out, and he threw it across the field to K.J. Hamler, which honestly, for a quarterback, a lot of times that's not advisable. And maybe he shouldn't do that, but he was able to pull it off. And it was just, like I said, it was kind of like a Patrick Mahomes kind of thing. Not that Teddy Bridgewater is a Patrick Mahomes quarterback. I'm not saying that, but just... To see him extending plays and keeping things alive, to see him taking deep shots, to see him protecting the ball, moving the ball, I really thought, on and off the field, I thought he was basically perfect. Like, not just uh, his production as a quarterback, but his leader as a team captain. Like, Hamler drops that touchdown pass, and Judy's hyping him up on the sideline, telling him, hey, it's okay, come back. And, And Hamler does come back, and he makes a big play later. And Albert O., he fumbles a ball when they're driving inside the Giants' like, 10-yard line. And Bridgewater, he talks to him, gets him back in the game, and he comes back to him later in the game. And Alberto rewards his confidence with a touchdown. So just the way Bridgewater played and the way he carried himself and the way he got the best out of his teammates, to me, it was an absolute perfect start for him.
0: He was absolutely awesome in the game and I agree with you John I mean at least three different receivers hit pass plays over 20 yards he was definitely throwing the ball down the field a little bit which I I definitely questioned whether he could do that you know I know you're not saying that you're not really comparing him to Patrick Mahomes I know that what you're doing but I just got to say easy big fella right easy <laughs> easy easy let's not go overboard here with Teddy Bridgewater I thought he played a great game you know I do give you credit though John it probably hurts you to admit that he did underthrow that ball to KJ Hamler a little bit <laughs> Hamler had to react to that thing It was kind of like a punt and a lot of air under that ball from Teddy Bridgewater, but it's pretty impressive to throw it 50 to 60 yards with a glove on. I do think that's uh, that's good. I I still think that Bridgewater that deep down the field. There could be some issues there. That's not really his game, but the fact that they're willing to go to it. I'm all for and yes, Hamler could have came down with that ball should have came down with that ball. He's not uh, Chad Pennington, as I joked about a couple podcasts ago, and some Broncos fans gave me some crap on Twitter about. Absolutely right, he's not Chad Pennington. Uh, much better, he looked great. But part of the, my commentary on him is just like let's let's go easy a little bit because this was a predictable kind of game, right? The the Giants are a dumpster fire. We all picked the Broncos to win this game. They were favored on the road. The Giants' offensive line, first of all, John, is garbage, and, I, and I've been bringing that up for a month, right? Haven't I? And did you did you see when Nate Soldier tried to block uh, Saquon Barkley yeah, and just I freed up that. Von Miller? That was great. Yeah, that was an LOL kind of moment. Von Miller coming off the edge and and Nate Soldier's blocking his running back. I mean, the head coach. Joe Judge, he's challenging scoring plays and burning timeouts in the second half. What are we doing? The offensive coordinator calling the reverse trick play after they hit the big play to Slayton early. Oh, you get some momentum. You have a chance to kind of punch the Broncos in the, in the mouth. No, we're going to go backwards. We're going to give it to Kadarius Toney for minus six yards. Nice call, Jason Garrett, right? So a nice win for the Broncos. A lot to love. I loved Teddy Bridgewater. He showed a lot. You're right. Perfection. He had a perfect game, basically. But come on. They did what they were supposed to do against this Giants team. And if they lost this game, John, I would have crushed them on the pod today. So they should have won and they did. But let's, you know, let's we got to take it for what it's worth. Right. That Giants team has all kinds of issues right now.
1: Yeah. I, just to back up a little bit, but going back again to Bridgewater on Hamler, I, I get what you're saying. It was not a perfect throw. I'm not trying to imply it was, <laughs>
0: I but know, I just I think that you some hard time there.
1: I, I got you. I'm just saying that's a timing thing. Like he, he, they had the distance. If he throws it a half a second or a second earlier, Hamler's still open and he runs under it instead of coming back to it. I agree with you that the way it was kind of like uh, underthrown, and Hamler had to work his way back to it. That's not as easy as a catch as people think it is. But if they get the timing down, like as far as the distance, he's got the distance on it. And it's just the, indis- the distance that impressed me because it wasn't like it was a duck. Like It was a fine pass. It was just he's got to throw it sooner than that. And then getting on to what you're saying about them playing the Giants, who are awful, I see what you're saying there because the, they are awful. They were awful.
0: But It was predictable play, a little bit, right? We kind of knew that it, team was not going to be able to yeah, match you, up with the Broncos because the Broncos are just in a better place. They're just a better program right now.
1: Yeah, you could see it coming, but you can only play who's in front of you and whether it's a bad team or not, like you got to be the good team and take advantage of it. Like uh, Broncos teams of the past, even when they would go up against bad teams, they were so bad themselves they would keep it close or even lose the game. I, I think it's a good sign that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And you only play who's on your schedule. And they've got a nice opening schedule here to try to build some momentum. Like even if the Giants aren't good, you give yourself some confidence beating them up, and hopefully that will carry over going forward.
0: Yeah, you're right, dude. I, I've been trying to find something to bitch and moan about for the podcast, John. I can't really find it because the Broncos were so good in week one, right? It's hard to hard to nitpick anything they did. I'm going to just – maybe I'll bitch and moan about the schedule, right? Because you open up against the Giants, the Jags, and then the Jets. Come on. Does that really get you ready for the Ravens and the Steelers on those back-to-back weeks we have coming up later on? I don't think so. So maybe I'll find a way to bitch and moan about that here. Uh, but first, let's let Corey Bonini from the huddle.com give us his fantasy plays of the week, and then John and I will be right back.
2: This is the typical sports Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Welcome to week number two of the fantasy football
3: season. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays to get your season rolling right along. Quarterback Joe Burrow at the Chicago Bears. Some people might be immediately turned off by the name the Chicago Bears with the association of a once strong, proud defense. Forget about that. Last week, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford obliterated this defense and showed the blueprint of how to take advantage of the young cornerbacks who are actually a liability, especially against play-action passing. Take note, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay disciple, so you can be sure that he was watching how this one unfolded. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon versus the Detroit Lions. The Packers returned to Lambeau Field after getting smacked in the mouth by the New Orleans Saints in Jacksonville. While he saw only five touches in the blowout loss, Dylan generated 26 yards of offense. Detroit has been one of the worst defenses of running backs in some time. We saw that play out last week with San Francisco backups taking full advantage of the situation. Look for an angry Packers offense to get up big, which could mean a lot of Dylan running out the clock late in the game. Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick at the Jacksonville Jaguars should be an interesting matchup for gamers to take a chance on. Wide receiver Jerry Judy has a high ankle sprain, and he has been placed on short-term IR. Patrick caught all four of his targets last week for 39 yards and a touchdown. While I'm a little skeptical that he may have some competition for touches, given the area of the he tends to operate within, owners looking for a PPR flex, especially anyone who lost Judy, should give Patrick a look. Los Angeles Chargers titan Jared Cook versus the Dallas Cowboys. While Cook has no gronk, he still has a pretty good matchup ahead. Dallas made some changes at linebacker in the offseason, and sure, they've gotten faster, but it looks like they're still not completely on the same page. Additionally, Los Angeles has the weapons to spread out this defense, which could leave Cook with a lot of room to operate in the middle of the field. He also benefits if running back Austin Eckler once again isn't involved in the passing game. For more award winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please go check
2: out thehuddle.com. That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Typico.com for terms and conditions, 21-plus-only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, John, maybe the big storyline coming out of this game, uh, besides the Broncos looking awesome and starting the season 1-0, is uh, Jerry Judy. We now know he's out four to six weeks, high ankle. Good news, bad news, right? I mean, if you're if you're going to lose one of your best players, at least he's going to be back in six weeks. I guess I mean, there's a lot of guys going out for the season right now. I mean, every week another another couple guys are out for the year, right? So at least Jerry Judy will be back. But this is painful. I, I, we're deep at wide receiver. That's a good thing. I mean, now we can just queue up Cortland Sutton. Tim Patrick looked good. We know we have K.J. Hamler. So you still have three really good receivers. But Jerry Judy, he looked like your best receiver on the team in that game, right? He, he was. He looked good, running good routes, seemed to have a rapport with Teddy Bridgewater. So what do you think uh what do you think about the team moving forward without Judy for at least the next four to five weeks at least right I mean gotta we gotta get Cortland Sutton more targets he only had three targets in this game I feel like he's the arrows pointing up on Sutton get him in your fantasy lineups it's time for him to be wide receiver one again
1: yeah I think you hit it right off the bat when you said it's good news and bad news the good news is it could have been way worse than that when they showed the replay, so many people on Twitter were like, oh, my goodness, Jerry Judy just broke his ankle because it no it doubt. really looked really gruesome the way it bent." been. So just the fact that it's a sprain and like obviously high ankle sprains, they can be tricky. And sometimes guys don't fully come back from them the same season they happen. But there's a possibility that in four to six weeks he could be back on the field. And it's a possibility if it's like a mild high ankle sprain Say they they take it easy with him and he could come back in four, but they take it easy and he comes back in six and he's all ready to go. Like that is a the best case scenario. Like if he's able to come back and be full strength for the second half of the season and we were thinking when we watched the replay that he might be done for the year, that's great news. But the bad news obviously is you're going to have at least three weeks while he's on injured reserve without him and then probably a couple weeks after that to give him more time to recover. But then again, as you just mentioned, like the Broncos have the depth. And this is a, a thing that's really nice. They did not trade Tim Patrick. And they I think they've had interest in a guy like Tim Patrick because he's, from the Broncos' perspective, You might be willing to trade someone who's, I think he's like 28, 28 years old now, going on 29. Next year he's going to be a free agent. And they've got Jerry Judy, Courtless Sutton, and KJ Hamler. George Payton may have been tempted to say, okay, if somebody wants to give me a draft pick for him, I'll get something for him now instead of losing him in free agency next year for nothing. So the fact that they hold on, held on to him, I think is very prudent. Because you mentioned Sutton, but last year when Sutton was down, I expected Jerry Judy to be the number one guy. And really, it was Tim Patrick who stepped up. And this year, honestly, I think Tim Patrick may again step up and be the guy just because Cortland Sutton, he's coming off an injury, and I don't think he's completely back to who he was quite yet. I think he'll get there, and I think as the season goes on, He's going to get better better and get his feet under him more. But I think especially earlier, early in this season, I think Patrick may kind of emerge as the number one, just like he emerged as the number one last year. I think he's a, an experienced guy, a veteran guy. He's very reliable. He's got sure hands. And like I like Cortland Sutton a lot. I think he's going to be a good receiver, and I think he's going to have a good year. But I just I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick takes advantage of this opportunity just like he did last year. And then also having Hamler in the slot making plays in the middle of the field. And then you've still got obviously Noah Fant and Albert O, your tight ends, who in week one, by the way, they made a, a lot of catches. They had a lot of targets. So the Broncos still have guys to throw the ball to. And obviously it hurts to not have Judy, but there are other guys that can step up and kind of help fill the void.
0: From a fantasy side, deep, deep leagues, maybe even dynasty leagues, I think Albert O, I like how you're doing that. Albert O, I like that. So don't don't even try to pronounce that last name. <laughs> yep, Saving yep, me on I that. I just avoid it. Albert O, I like that. So I think he's worth an add at this point because he should get more opportunities, and he was involved in that game quite a bit, especially in the red zone. That was good to see. And I, I think that's interesting. Tim Patch, so when you look at deeper fantasy leagues, I think Cortland Sutton's going to be Rostered in most leagues Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler though. Probably not there. Those are fringe roster guys in fantasy Yeah, you think Tim Patrick definitely is worth the ad over a KJ Hamler right now?
1: I think in general. Yeah And it's mainly because KJ Hamler I think he's explosive and he's gonna make big plays but I think he's gonna be kind of boomer bust like one week he may catch a 50-yard touchdown pass, but the next week he may have two catches. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be a little up and down yep. just because of the nature of his position, like taking the long shots. You're not going to connect on all of them. Whereas Patrick, I think he's going to be a reliable. You're going to hit him on the slants. You're going to hit him on the outs, the flags, the fades. Like Patrick's going to be all over the field, and I think he's just going to be a reliable target. So I think he's going to get more looks, and he's going to get more high-percentage catches, whereas Hamler, it's kind of going to... I think it's gonna be kind of boom or bust with Hamler. But if you're in a deep league, the Hamler's probably worth a look if you're a thin at receiver.
0: Yeah, especially if you're like in a deep standard league where you could get some added bonus points from the you know, maybe not PPR, but you know, it's more logical to go for those guys that could hit those big plays. I think yep. Hamler's definitely their deep shot guy. I mean we're yep, seeing that, right? Absolutely. I saw it in the preseason and we're seeing it now. So you know, you hit on it, George Payton keeping his surplus at wide receiver, keeping his surplus at cornerback, right? Like not just because you ha- you're you very deep at a position, not just going ahead and trading guys away because you're deep, using that depth as an advantage. Uh, corner is another spot, right? Ronald Darby also heading to the IR, we found out today, just before we started recording, John. So, the depth at corner being tested right away. How do you think the defense looks with Darby going out?
1: Yeah, it's very useful that they did not Bryce Callahan that they did not trade Bryce Callahan. It's very similar right. yep. situation to Tim Patrick. He's getting a little older. He's a free agent next year, but they held on to him. And now with holding on to Callahan, he can remain the slot cornerback like he's been. And you still have Kyle Fuller on the outside or on the other side. And now we can see Pat Sertan, their first round rookie Alabama, that everybody's so excited about he can be a starting outside corner for them now while Darby sideline, obviously it's not ideal to lose Darby. He's a good corner. They gave him $30 million for a reason, but it's just really nice that they have this depth. Like if Pat Sertan was drafted by almost any other team, he would have been starting day one. So he has the talent. The Broncos were just so deep and now we're going to get a chance to see what happens if Pat Sertan is starting right away, not right away, but from week two going forward. And, and it sounds like Darby might be able to come back not too long after the three-week injured reserve window. So he'll be back. And also Michael O.J. Mudia, he went on injured reserve right after they set the 53-man roster. So he can come back in week four. So they still got three really solid guys. And then O.J. Mudia is going to be coming back uh, in a couple weeks. So obviously it hurts to lose Darby. But like you said, they've got the depth to help get over it while he's going to be gone for a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nice to be able to queue up the kid you picked, number nine overall, just to say, okay, <laughs> yep. kid, it's your turn, grab a helmet. So, uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of a soft landing against these Jacksonville Jaguars here this week, right? So uh, coming up next, John and I will take a look at that matchup, maybe pick a spread. Uh, but first, our guys at the Sportsbook Wire from the USA Today Network, they're going to give you their play of the week. We'll be right back.
2: This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of sportsbookwire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast here with my colleague, as always, Jeff Clark, breaking down the Sunday night football matchup for week two between the Kansas City Chiefs and the host Baltimore Ravens. Ravens plus 160, home underdogs Chiefs minus 200, Baltimore plus three and a half on the spread. Jeff, is that interesting to you coming off their overtime loss against the Raiders?
1: Yeah, this is a by spot for the Ravens. It's getting through the key number of 3 you got three in the hook. Lamar was terrible last week throwing the ball, but Cleveland was able to run the ball all over Casey's defense. I think Lamar and Baltimore does the same. I think he passes a little bit better against his weak Kansas City defense, and I think Baltimore's defense improves after their stinker against the Raiders and Derek Carr. I'll take the three-and-a-half with the Ravens. How about you?
2: Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. 34-21 win in Baltimore last week. That's good enough for me. I'm siding with the Chiefs, minus 3.5. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast typical.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call one gambler in New Jersey. one in Colorado.
0: All right, John, another road game for the Broncos in Jacksonville. Road favorites for the second straight week. Uh, the spread is Broncos minus five and a half. And uh, you never want to overreact, right? So the Broncos whipped the Giants and you don't want to overreact. And Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Lawrence looked okay through three touchdowns. No, no, no. I'm not talking myself into the Jaguars at all. No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. They got smoked by the Houston freaking Texans. Oh, my God. They they gave up, what, 37 or 38 points to the Texans, John? Uh, I Forget it. Uh, I'm going Broncos. If you're giving me five and a half points, that's it. That's all I got to cover against the Jags. Give me the Broncos all day. I cannot wait to bet this. I felt the same way last week. I'm like, two and a half. Remember that line over to two and a half against the Giants? We're like, can, yep. can can we race to the sportsbook window or race to the app, you know, wherever you're placing your bets? Like, my goodness, five and a half against the Jags. I mean, I'm all over the Broncos, and and that's a very, very good price on the typical sportsbook app. I'm sure it's, it's, it's like that elsewhere as well. What do you think? You with me?
1: Yeah. Like I said, against the Giants, I would say they better be able to. Like, they better be able to beat the Jaguars by at least a touchdown. After looking – or after watching how poor Jacksonville looked in their season opener, like even with it being on the road, the, the Jaguars, they just don't look like a good team right now. And you better be able to take advantage of that. You better be able to go beat them up. And you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, like he had over 300 passing yards and he had three passing touchdowns. And when you see that, you're like, oh, wow, that was a nice performance from Lawrence, but he also had three interceptions and like, that's really key, and if he if he's a little reckless or doesn't take care of the ball as well as he should, the Broncos' secondary, like we've been talking about it all off season, we're just talking about how deep they are just now, like they're going to be able to make plays. They're going to be able to take advantage of a young, gunslinging quarterback who might be a little reckless, who might be trying to force things a little bit, trying to do it all, playing for a bad team. Just like Peyton Manning, his rookie season, like – he was a superstar talent, but he he broke the inter, the record for the most interceptions by a rookie quarterback. Like, you can have a bright future and be a really talented quarterback, and on a bad team, it's just not going to go well. So I think with Lawrence, it could be more of the same this week. Like, he might get some yards on the Broncos. He may even throw a t- couple touchdowns, but I just think with the supporting cast that he has and with how poor they looked against the Texans, I think the Jags are probably going to have a couple more turnovers this week. And if the Broncos protect the ball well, like they did in New York, I think they're easily going to be able to handle them.
0: Could you see Pat Sertan getting smoked on a play? Maybe he's not quite 100% ready to start locking people down. Yeah, I can see I can see Trevor Lawrence getting some in this game. But give me a break. If the Texans could put up almost 40 points on this team – with the way the Broncos looked against that Giants defense, which I don't think that Giants defense is – I think that's a strength there. Yeah, I don't think theirs. they're bad. They're good. Yep. James Bradbury, yep. like Jabril Peppers wasn't playing a lot for some reason at the safety – I don't know what was going on with the Giants there. He played like half the snaps. But that's a good Giants team. And the Broncos, like, picked them apart with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you tell me the Jaguars are going to put up some resistance? No, no, no. I got the Broncos in the 30s, and the total on this one is on the way up. It opened at 43-and-a-half. It's up to 45-and-a-half on Tipico, John. And I do like the over. I think the Broncos can get into the 30s, and like you said, Trevor Lawrence maybe throws a couple touchdowns, maybe gets a garbage time score later on, uh, 31-17, 34-14, something like that, that kind of score. Uh, that's what I'm That's what I'm expecting. I'm going over.
1: Yeah, initially when you said that number, and my gut reaction was, hmm, that seems a little high, but you honestly just now talked me into it. Well, that's what I do, John. See, you know? Yeah, you say you could say Denver getting 30, and I was like, yeah, that really seems possible after watching what the Texans did. And then even the Giants, they got 13 because they got a garbage time touchdown and say Trevor Lawrence is worth one more garbage time touchdown than Daniel Jones. That's 20 points. So I, I'm with you there that I think I think I could definitely see it being higher than that, just because you would think the Broncos are going to be able to score points and the Jag should be just good enough to at least get some garbage time scores. So. I'm with you on that. After you talked me into it, you put it well.
0: <laughs> you know, you know I try to do that, John. You don't always agree with me. But sometimes, sometimes I... So be, Not
1: on Teddy, two gloves. Two gloves, two touchdowns, one win. That's what
0: I say. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no. You know, I, I I, like Teddy Bridgewater. I would love him if he got rid of the glove. I would. <laughs> uh, but that's just something that we're going to have to wait and see with Teddy Bridgewater and the glove. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like... I wouldn't the, hold your breath. Yeah, I think as the weather gets worse, the glove's going to stay on. He might, He might have a double glove or something. I don't know with Teddy Bridgewater, but... Jaguars, Jets next week. I think the Broncos got a good chance to be 3-0. and And then we'll re- we'll really start to play some football, John, when we've got the Ravens game, you know, week four, whatever that is. So I'm ready for it. But, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll try to enjoy this week, try to break down what happens with the Jaguars. I think it's going to be a win for the Broncos. It better be. Uh, so for John Heath, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, review, uh, and we'll be back next week to talk Broncos, Jags. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you next time.